Lord, you just ask that you um, continue joining us this morning with your presence. Um, we lift up our hearts in our prayers with thankfulness and gratitude that you are with us, that you hear us, um, and we thank you for the good gifts that you give us and praise you um, for the gift of Pastor Sam and just ask that you please um, bless his words this morning and um, let our hearts be open to listening. In your name we pray, amen. It, it is a privilege for me, seriously, to be here with moms. I, I believe, I'm convinced, that you are the, the best um, center of discipleship happening at this church or any church. You take a young person from the time they're in the womb and you expose them to daily influence for a couple of decades. I mean, Sunday school teachers are great, and pastors are great, and camp counselors are great and stuff, but they can't touch that kind of influence. You have major discipling influence, and it's a privilege for me to try to serve you with a few comments, and it's a privilege for me to relate to your kids. Um, so, I mean, I saw Grace up here uh, singing. Where'd she go, Grace? And uh, I have a budding relationship with Nova. She four, four. So we correspond occasionally, and I love that. I, you know, somebody, one of the kids came up to me after I preached on Sunday and had a drawing for me of me, and um, and I value that your children would have positive associations with pastors and with church. I just think that opens a door for their ears to let gospel get down in here and. You are the guys who really feed that, and it's a privilege for me to be with you. Okay, Mom's Marveling at the Marvelous. Let's have some audience participation. Name something marvelous, something that prompts you to marvel. Say, ooh, cool. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, wow. Sunsets, mountains, singing, snow, summer. Yes, there it is. Whoa, a little charismatic moment right there. Baby toes, yes. One of the women last night said, new shoes. Okay, what, what was this? Chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah, I mean, have you ever just kind of let it melt in your mouth and you just are leaning in, savoring, like, how can this be? How do they make this out of a bean um, that they let spoil? Do you know that's how they make the cacao bean? They let it spoil, and then they process it into chocolate. Oh, okay, I'm off the subject. I'm not going to get done by 10 after if we do this. Okay. So marveling is pathway to thankfulness or gratefulness. We were discussing the two terms at this table earlier. Um, because you won't give thanks, not from your heart. You won't. If you don't believe what you're giving thanks for is good, you won't. It'll be a lie. It'll be some sort of a duty that'll be artificial. Give thanks. Okay, I guess I'll thank you. Like a child, thanks, Grandma, for my socks for Christmas. <clears throat> but if you really prefer socks in the winter to bare feet, then okay, now Grandma's looking up in your estimation of things. So, we love to marvel. 
We'd like to. We're created for it. In fact, we can make the argument that marveling is perhaps our highest pleasure. More than eating chocolate, you love marveling about eating the chocolate. And the eating of the chocolate is, has not completed or consummated its pleasure for you until you can say something about it. Until you can go, mmm, and smack your lips and tell somebody about where you got that chocolate. That's with, you know, new shoes, baby toes, um, whatever it is that you marvel at, we, thankfulness greatly intensifies one of life's most precious capacities, namely the capacity to marvel. Uh, when I had COVID in uh, April of a couple of years ago, um, my main symptom was fatigue. I would sleep for 16 hours and I'd kind of shuffle my way out to the kitchen and I would discover, I'm not exaggerating, a couple minutes later, I fell asleep standing there. I was so tired. And one of the byproducts of that fatigue was I lost the ability to marvel. Nothing excited me. It was April. In our neighborhood, we have lovely flowering trees all over our neighborhood. And they're lovely, and I love to comment on them to Vicky. Oh, look at those. Oh, they're more beautiful than yesterday. You know, that kind of, I just, I get jazzed by that. And, and I had COVID, and I looked out the window kind of with one eye, and it's just as though they were gray, and I didn't care. I don't care what color they are or if they have any color. I don't care if they're there. I just didn't care. It's like, I just want to go back to sleep. And uh, it was very scary for me because I thought, I wonder if God is done with me. He's removed from me the ability to marvel. We're made to marvel. We're supposed to marvel. And we enjoy marveling. It's maybe our highest pleasure. We love wow. We love cool. We love awesome. We, those words convey feelings that we love to have. A grateful heart is not less seeing, but more seeing than the complaining heart. Now, so some people in our culture, a lot of our culture would say, just quit being Pollyanna. Would you, how many of you seen Pollyanna? The old, old movie Pollyanna. Must be 50 years old or so, something like that. I give myself away. And uh, I think as a boy, I probably had a crush on Haley Mills. I don't know. But <laughs> she was so positive about everything. Just, oh, and, and people would say, well, that's just not realistic. Wake up. Life is hard, and then you die. That's what our culture thinks. It's survival of the fittest. What are you so happy about? Well, that spirit of complaining doesn't see reality better than a thankful heart. A thankful heart sees better than a complaining heart. Because God is working which things together for the good of those who love Him? All things. So the thankful heart goes on the hunt for how God might be working all of those things, including calamity, together for the good of those who love him. Practicing thankfulness enhances perspective. Helps you see better. Thereby making otherwise ordinary things sizzle with extraordinary wonders God has hidden inside them. The extraordinary can be hiding just behind the ordinary. And in order to see it, adjust the focal point of your lens. 
I was going to ask when I started here, who made the cinnamon muffins? Who brought those? Thank you for the cinnamon muffins. Those are, those are wonderful. The one I had was wonderful. Uh, they're made with cinnamon. Have you ever looked close at cinnamon? Do you, <laughs> you know. Okay, how can a Christian event have a product that starts with the word sin? Okay, so it's all right, cinnamon. Um, it's, a, it's the bark of a tree, cinnamon is. And so how does it get here? Well, there, there are these roots in the dirt, in the soil. And there's this sun 93 million miles away. And it sends rays that are absorbed by leaves that have chlorophyll in them, something you don't really want to eat. But there's chlorophyll in these leaves, and they change that sunlight in combination with the carbon dioxide that they're sucking out of the atmosphere and mingle it with the nutrients coming up through the roots of those tree parts that are down in the dirt, mingled with water to make sap, and you get cinnamon. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. It's not man-made. We didn't put that sun up there 93 million miles away or put that dirt there. It's just, or invent the tree that's been reproducing ever since the Garden of Eden. Cinnamon is, is amazing, especially if you like it in muffins. Oh, man, I'm going to rabbit trail. Have you heard... Um, no, I, I can't tell this. I won't have time. So adjust the focal point of your lens and start looking for the marvels that are all around us, like cinnamon. Seeing with wonder enhances your own satisfaction. It's the point I'm trying to make here in the early going. That if you are able to say, that is impressive. Not only, okay, last night some of the ladies were talking about how, not only, somebody who mentioned snow, that they like snow. Somebody, yes, snow, okay, snow. They were saying, not only snow, each flake. The gajillions and bajillions of individuated flake designs that God has done. You know, it's the same, same is true for all those leaves that fell in the month of October, November. They're all different. Trillions and multiplied trillions of them, all unique. And the closer we look, the more we marvel at the, at the veins through those leaves and the translucence of the hide so that the light can get through. And it's just the closer you look, the more you go, wow, this is impressive how this all works. We're only yet now in the 21st century figuring out how photosynthesis works in a leaf. It's been there for millennia. and We haven't known how does that work. And we're just now starting to get it figured out. Well, the wonder enhances your satisfaction. Instead of looking at those stupid leaves that I got to rake, it's like God in his infinite wisdom planted those leaves right there in that spot on the lawn on that day. That's impressive. He's a designer and an executor without rival. And, come on, it can trigger pleasure of those around you. So the more you wonder at things, the more you're impressed with things, the more others are drawn into it, invited into it. And they like to wonder with you. Say, oh yeah, cool. Um, some of you, when you were mentioning things that you, you marvel at, others would go, oh yeah, mm, chocolate, mmm. When one person said chocolate, I think there were about 15 people that, mmm, chocolate. Um, that's the effect that thankfulness can have on those around you. Now, consider medical maggots. 
I didn't know there was such a thing until a few years ago. Somebody sent me a link, and there was a, a missionary. Gross? That's what I would think. My experience with maggots as a farm boy was gross. And um, so here's this, uh, this white-jacketed physician, and he's treating a man who has a huge injury on his leg, and he's had it for weeks, and it won't heal. It's open, and it's pussy, and it's rotten, and it smells, and everything. And, and he, um, he, he gets a, a canister that he's ordered, and he takes the lid off, and it's crawling with maggots in there. <laughs> Holly. <laughs> And he dumps them right in the wound, right in there. And then a couple of them crawl out, and they're crawling away, and he scrapes them back in, gets them all in there, and then he wraps the, the leg with a bandage, and that's the treatment for today. And the guy comes back a couple of days later, and the physician in front of the camera takes the bandage off and pulls all the maggots out, and that flesh is as clean as a whistle because the maggots only eat the dead flesh. They don't touch the healthy flesh. Did you know God made maggots for the sake of our flesh? Among other things. <laughs> now, until I consider the goodness of God in maggots, I'm not thankful for maggots. I think, oh, maggots. Uh, mosquitoes. It's hard to be thankful for mosquitoes because they're mostly annoying, are they not? And people have asked the legitimate theological question, what, what, how were they in the Garden of Eden and what are they going to be in heaven? Are we going to have mosquitoes in heaven? Um, but did you know mosquitoes are pollinators like bees? You like flowers? You like plants? Mosquitoes help pollinate them so that they grow. God isn't making any mistakes with anything. And if we can start to look at everything through the eyes of God is infinitely wise and makes no mistakes, and he put that in my life, that maggot, that mosquito, that snow, that winter, that non-summer <laughs> that's being deferred, and it's getting darker every day. And uh, I mean, when it snowed this week and I had to get my shovel out, the, what rose up in me was, mm, mm. but God was gracious to me, and I thought, it is beautiful, isn't it? Visually, it's beautiful. And man, the mosquitoes are not bad today. <laughs> so if we put on the right lens, we can be thankful. Now, for what things? Well, we'll get to that in a moment, in a moment here. Some might call it being easily pleased to marvel at the ordinary, but it might also be called rightly pleased. We don't want to be phony Pollyanna people but we do want to worship God in spirit and in truth. Romans 1.20, for his invisible attributes, that's referring to God, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived since the creation of the world in the things that are made. All the things in the material universe point to something beyond the material universe, namely his eternal power and divine nature. If I'll be on the lookout for those things, I can be thankful for them and praise Him for those things. Gratitude, then, is a subcategory of a larger thing, worship. So there's this thing called worship, giving honor, the honor that's due Him. And one of the ways to give honor to God is to thank Him for stuff that He's done or promised to do. It is a valuing 
and appreciation a form of exaltation, gratitude, thankfulness. It's a way of marveling at something out loud to somebody who sent the marvelous thing. Everything is from God, Acts 17, 24. The God who made the world and what? Everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Now, We can become kind of sappy at this point. Oh, he gives us, you know, he gives us motherhood and apple pie and sugar and spice and everything nice. But he also gives us the stuff we don't want. We wouldn't sign up for it. Job said when his ten children came, moms, ten children were taken from him. The Lord gives, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He has made no mistake in the giving or the taking. They're both from an infinitely wise God who loves me more than anyone else. He owes us nothing. That is, he owes us no blessings. He's not obligated to bless us. It can increase your thankfulness, your pleasure, and God's glory to thank him with explicit specificity. So I urge people to, and I try to make a practice of this, I try to regularly thank God for something I've never thanked him for before in my life. Try to think of something I, I haven't, I don't think I've thanked God for that. So I, thank, I just looked out there and saw a stop sign on that bus. I don't think I've ever thanked God for stop signs. Do you know where we would be if there were no stop signs? I mean, collisions galore everywhere. Um, but to thank God, not just, you know, thank you, Lord, for the blessings of life, and then go on. That's good. That's not wrong. But get specific about specific blessings. I, at, the, at the dinner table, I'm more inclined learning to, you know, not thank you for this food, but thank you for, and then name the foods. Thank you for the cinnamon that was on that muffin. Thank you for the paper cup that held it while it was baked. Thank you for the oven it was baked in. Get specific. It will increase your pleasure in the muffin and in the God who provided all the stuff that, that went into that muffin. The delightful drill of exercising powers of observation with the aim of expressing gratitude, even in little things, can show us that little things may not be so dull after all. Maggots. Little baby toes that you mentioned over there. Chocolate. It's not a little thing in the hands of an infinitely wise God. Stuff your eyes with wonder, said Ray Bradbury. So go ahead. Look around for things to be thankful for. Go on the prowl. Like the conditioning of an athlete, expressing gratitude today opens up the possibility of developing an enlarged capacity for marveling tomorrow. You can get better and better at this. And if marveling is a pleasure, if it's our greatest pleasure, you can increase your capacity to enjoy what God is doing. So why wouldn't you want to do it? It's for your pleasure, as well as His glory. It's a spiritual activity, not just an intellectual activity. It's not just a head trick that you play. You have to have a heart that wants to do this. So it's a divine work in you 
to desire to be thankful. To marvel is to be stunned or astonished or impressed or wowed or astounded or awed. And we love experiencing all of those things. People who marvel talk about it. They say something. They bring up chocolate and baby toes and whatever it is you enjoy. Last night, the woman who said, new shoes. She didn't say it, uh, new shoes. It was like, new shoes. Um, if we enjoy stuff, we talk about it. And talking about it is part of the consummation of it. I'm guessing all of you moms, when you uh, were growing in your relationship with your husband at the outset there, it was not a secret. You talked to people about him. You had pictures on display. We like to talk about the things that bring us pleasure. So if we're thankful, it'll work its way out in speech. Now, if you're struggling to get started in this, and you're not, but if a person were struggling, I don't know, I mean, what should I be on the lookout for to be thankful? Here are some categories. Scale, something that is vast, like the snow out there. How many snowflakes are there? Okay, get impressed. There's a lot of snowflakes. God is doing this crystallizing work in the atmosphere all over the place. And be impressed by how many tons of snow have fallen the last few days and none of us were killed. None of our buildings collapsed. He transported all that tons of water from the Gulf of Mexico or from the Pacific Ocean and we're not dead. Be impressed. Be thankful. Your kids, especially your boys, will enjoy speed and power to be thankful. I mean, you ask your boys, I don't know, Lewis, I think I've asked Lewis, show me your muscles, Lewis. Got this little spaghetti thing here. That's a... <laughs> but um, we can be impressed with power. What is, the, what is the power that holds the earth to the sun? And we don't just fly off into outer space someplace. Um, scope, its impact, how widespread, how universal. Does it go down to the very core of things? That's, I can link that to, uh, i got to go to the fourth one. Could you achieve it by yourself, like escape or recovery or beauty? Um, when, I'm, when I've offended Vicky out of my sin, and she's merciful to me, there's an escape there for me. There's a, a release for me. I'm, I'm redeemed for which I'm grateful because I can't control it. I can't make her forgiving toward me. I can't make her merciful towards me. She doesn't owe it to me or it wouldn't be mercy. What she owes me is justice. And the wages of sin is death. She ought to kill me. But she doesn't and neither does God. We ought to marvel at the escape that is ours all along. I, I often think about driving on two-lane highways, how many times I could be dead. My mother was struck head-on by a drunk driver one time. Why aren't we all struck by drunk drivers? They're on the roads. It's a mercy. And be thankful. And without it, all else is lost. Take your eyelids. I've talked about this before. But, you know, if you, if you cut off your eyelids, like um, some soldiers have done in certain wars with their prisoners, they cut off their eyelids. And in a couple of days, your eyes are all dried out. And in another couple of days, there's infection in there. You can't sleep. You're exhausted. You're tired. You begin to hallucinate. 
Infection grows in the eyes. The infection works in through the optic nerve to the brain. You go crazy, and in less than two weeks, you're dead for lack of eyelids. Everybody blink your eyes and be thankful. God gave you two of them for free, no charge. Or breath. We looked at the verse from Acts um, before that said God has given you all life and breath and everything. If you don't breathe, well, you're moving, you're moving on to the next life. Or the war's nail. You know this, that the, the war was lost because they lost the battle, and the battle was lost for lack of a horse, and the horse was lost for want of a shoe, and the shoe couldn't be put on the horse because they didn't have a nail. So they lost the war because of a nail. Little things matter. Often they matter decisively. You, if you, have, you bought a car, uh, a RAV4, and, and it just... Everything's there. It's in good shape, except it doesn't have a steering wheel. All is lost, then, in that case. Have you ever thanked God for steering wheels? There's another thing. Be thankful for steering wheels. All right. While it is fitting to marvel at the marvelous, it is most fitting to marvel at the most marvelous. And so now we're, we've arrived at the preciousness of Jesus. We should be marveling at him. He's unspeakably marvelous. He's an incomparable elder brother. His name is above every name. He's preeminent. He's flawless. Flawless. That means no flaw. There's nothing wrong with him. He obeys the Father perfectly. That's none of us. Never happened. Even when, before Adam had sinned, God did not owe Adam heaven because Adam had not fulfilled all the law. Jesus fulfilled all the law for Adam and for the rest of us who put our confidence in him. Penultimate marvels exist to point us to the ultimate marvel. Everything that's not God is here to point us to God. Everything in the material universe points to something beyond itself. Jesus was so good at this, at seeing that, that fig trees aren't about fig trees, and doors aren't about doors, and sheep aren't about sheep. And water isn't about water, and bread isn't about bread, and light isn't about light, and candlesticks aren't about candlesticks. He, he just kept pointing through those things to something more, something else. Now, your children are marvels, are they not? They are fearfully and wonderfully made. They're just incredible. God doesn't, yes, and God doesn't owe us these kids. They're blessings. That's what the Bible says. They're a blessing, a reward. They're fantastic. I just, I look, uh, sleeping over there, I look at these little ones, even that are here, right there, learning to speak right now, even though nobody's giving them a lesson, say A-E-I-O-U, but they're learning, they're learning inflection. They're learning inflection. They're learning inflection. All the time, soaking it in. They're just marvelous. Our children are marvelously designed by their designer. But they're not most marvelous. We're not to worship our children or idolize them. They are not the pinnacle. They are derived. There's only one underived being. 
they, these children, point to the most marvelous. They are wise to learn to marvel at the marvelous, and they are wiser still to learn to marvel at the most marvelous, and that's where I think your hearts are. You want your children to join you in marveling at the most marvelous, which is Christ Jesus. And we'll get to some how-tos here before my time is up in six minutes. So, audience participation. What does God do well? Everything. <laughs> okay, we'll take a shortcut to the answer. Mark put it this way. He does all things well. So we could have named lots of things that he does, and he does all of them well. He doesn't do anything poorly. So if he does all things well, for which things should we thank him? Uh, he does um, famine. Bible says that. He sent a famine, it says. He sent a famine. Not the devil sent a famine or a famine happened or bad economic uh, practices uh, brought a famine upon him. He sent a famine. He does all things well. He does famine sending well. And we got to reorient our our fleshly minds and our natural orientation about this. So if he does all things well, for which things should we thank him? All things. Is that explicit anywhere in the Bible? Most of us, I think, here in Christian circles have grown up with 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, in everything give thanks. We believe that. In everything, okay, there's a messy situation in that, you know, okay, uh, I know a number of people right now with cancer, and they found out that they have cancer, but in that cancer... Um, they're, they're grateful that they found it early, you know, that kind of thing. You, or you're skiing down the hill, you run into a tree and you break your leg. In that situation, you're grateful you didn't break both legs or you didn't break your neck. Most of us have grown up with that kind of theology. Find something to thank God for in the messy situation. But should we thank God for the messy situation? Should we thank God for the leg that did get broken? Well... 1 Thessalonians 5.18 isn't the only verse in the Bible. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Zowie. This is going to take faith because our initial reaction and instinct to tragedy is, I don't want this. Why should I be thankful for this? This is terrible, horrible, no good, very bad. It sucks. Why, God? Why would you put me through this? This is terrible. I don't want this for me. I don't want this for anybody I love. Why did you even put this on this earth? Why is there cancer? Why is there famine? We don't naturally rise up with pleasure at the hard things. So how can we practice this text? Romans 121, here's some consequences if we don't. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images of mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. And therefore, verse 24, God gave them up 
in the lusts of their hearts to impurity. Or skip to verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up. Or verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were full of envy and murder and strife and covetousness and maliciousness. They were gossips and slanderers and insolent and haters of God and haughty and boastful and inventors of evil and disobedient to parents and foolish and faithless and heartless and ruthless. Just a long list in Romans one of what happens when you're not thankful. Comes out of not being thankful. I have visited with people who are struggling with what Romans 1 talks about is homosexuality. Women giving up natural relations and engaging in relations that are contrary to nature and their men likewise also consumed with passion for one another, committing shameless acts with other men and receiving in their bodies the due penalty of their error. I've, I've interviewed, there was a woman who was coordinating a, a lesbian rally at the Capitol, and I engaged her on the sidewalk. I said, tell me your story, if you would, if you'd let me ask you a couple questions. Yeah, okay. Um, how, how did you come to identify as a lesbian? And she told me her story about how she grew up, and on the playground she was mocked and picked on and bullied and, and stuff, and she began to realize that, that she thought she was lesbian. And I said, well, that sounds terrible. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sad that you had to endure those terrible experiences in your childhood. I said, I don't know if you believe in God, but if, if you believe in God, that there's a God, why would he allow you to go through such terribly painful experiences in your childhood? Why would he let you do that? And she said, well, I don't know. I wish somebody would explain that to me. Because she didn't believe that God was good in the difficulty, working all things together for her good, including mockery and being bullied, she couldn't give thanks. And her foolish heart was darkened, claiming to be wise. She became foolish. Thanklessness is causal. If we want to refuse to give thanks, because I, I, I cannot be thankful for that, or I'm just indifferent, I'm just asleep, I'm preoccupied, and I have a lot of room for thinking mothers are preoccupied. You've got a lot going on. It's not trivial or inconsequential to be thankless. On this one quality, the soul pivots. It's like a fork in the road. It wins or loses the war for one's future. It fosters growth in beauty this way or ugliness that way. <clears throat> one of my... <clears throat> dreads about aging is to become a cranky, crabby old man. I just don't want to be one of those, and I'm, I'm fearful of how easy it is to become one of those, to become critical. Well, those young whippersnappers, you know, it's not, not the way we used to do things around here. This, this world's just going to the dogs, and just and pretty soon we, we all drift that direction. We, we tend to go that way, unless God gives us grace. So gratitude or lack thereof reveals one's core understanding of God. If I won't thank God, I'm implying something about Him. I might not mean to imply it, but I am implying it. He's not good because I'm not thanking Him. Thankfulness kills things like anxiety. It's almost impossible to be anxious and be grateful or anger. It's hard to be ticked off when you're being thankful. Hard for self-pity. I'm not going to pity myself because I'm thankful for all this stuff that's in my life. 
I may not have that and that and that and that and that, but I got this, 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 and this. And this is what God has selected for me in his infinite wisdom. He wants me to, he wants me to be this tall, not as tall as I wanted to be when I was young to play basketball. He wants me this size. And I apologize to you, but he wants my face to look like this. <laughs> okay. I'm not as wise as he is. Boredom. It's hard to be bored when you're on the lookout for things to be thankful for. Whining. This is one for your kids. It's hard to be a whiner when you're grateful. Covetousness. Wanting what other people have when instead you're taking inventory of what you do have. Jealousy, same as covetousness. Bitterness, it's hard to harbor ill will towards people when you're counting your blessings. You know the old song, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Demandingness, it's really hard to get grabby and have a spirit of entitlement when you're thankful for what you don't deserve. God just delivered it. Thankfulness makes you easier to be around. How many of you would like to be easy to be around for your kids, for your husband. Okay, some of you would like to be easy to be around. G.K. <laughs> Chesterton said, I would maintain that... <laughs> he said, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought. Wow. Want to be a thinker? Be a thanker. And that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder, exponentially more happy. That sounds like a deal, and it's free. The core ingredient of mental health is gratitude. Gary Collins is a Christian psychologist, um, and he's saying it's the core ingredient of mental health. So when you're thinking, am I crazy? Be thankful. Be thankful for something, and you're not crazy. Genuine thankers feel Thankfulness requires cultivation. You can grow in it. Gratefulness frees the grateful. Cheerful heart has a continual feast. Now, I'm going to end with this. Teaching children thankfulness. Since I'm talking to a room full of moms, here are some steps that I think you can take to teach your kids. One, pray for them. Pray for them. It's a spiritual work. It's a work of God in our hearts to tune our hearts so that we would want to be thankful and to engage our eyes in looking for things to be thankful for. Then model it. You are the textbook that your kids are reading. They're looking at you. Are you a whiner and a grumbler and a complainer? Or are you a conveyor belt of discovery of, thank the Lord for that. Thank the Lord for that. You can say to your children that you thank God for them, which helps them recognize their own dependence on God for their existence, for life and breath and everything. Point to the goodness of God. Point it out. Point it out. Talk about the goodness of God when you see it. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, okay, after supper tonight, we're going to sit down and have family devotions, and we're going to try to think of something that God's good at. I'm saying here, as you go through life, point out the goodness of God. Talk, um, back up. Last night, one of the moms said that her three-year-old, um, when it snowed, came running, Mommy, look what God did. All right. The generation is growing in their little tiny faith. Talk about the giving of thanks. Ways to do it. 
many of you have already done lots of stuff with this. Like, for example, when, when Grandma gives those socks for Christmas, you have your kids write a thank you note to Grandma. Give the thanks. Don't just feel it or think it. Give it. Express it. Say thank you to Grandma. They say thank you to God. Say thank you to whoever who has, to whomever has blessed you, has, has invested in you, given you something. Reward expressions of thanks. When kids say thanks, when they write that thank you note to Grandma, good job. Thank you for doing that. Especially when you don't have to remind them or ask them to do it, and it just comes out. Thank you, Mom. Oh, good job. God is at work in your heart, making you grateful. That is so beautiful. It makes me happy. It makes God happy. I mean, have a little party there for 15 seconds or so. Reward it. You'll get more of it if you reward it. Rewarded behaviors are more likely to be repeated. Don't reward whining and grousing, by which I mainly mean if they whine and whine and whine because they want something, whatever it is, and you give them the thing, you just paid them for whining. You rewarded them for whining, and you're going to get more of the behavior that you reward. So don't reward whining. Reward thinking. And consider strategically withholding privileges. A worker's appetite works for him. That means that sometimes our appreciation for something is elevated by deprivation. You know, a glass of water tastes especially good when you're really thirsty and you haven't had anything to drink for a while. Going to bed feels really good when you've been up a long time and you're weary. I mean, if you've had to go without something for a long time and then you have it, you're more grateful. And so it is with children. Um, you know, the spoiled brat has a hard time being thankful because he always gets everything he wants when he wants it, the way he wants it. He's not going to be thankful. He's going to be demanding. But the child who has gone without, I'm not talking about being punitive here. I'm not talking about being harsh. I'm just saying that it's good for children to have to wait. No, we're going to have supper here in a little bit. You wait. You wait. They're going to be more thankful for supper than if you let them munch whenever they have a hunch. And then sing. Sing. A lot of songs have gratefulness wired right into them. So um, the doorway to joy is open by putting to death a spirit of entitlement in you and in your children. Am I supposed to take questions here or just pray? Is there a question? Holly. Yeah, the question for the recording here is that um, some have said you don't have to feel thankful in order to express thankfulness to God. I'll give a hazy answer to that. You can start by saying the truth that you do believe. Like, I'm aging. I don't like aging. But God in his infinite wisdom has ordained that I age. And though I don't like the aging per se in and of itself... I do believe God is wise and is making no mistakes. I can start by saying that. Start by saying what's true. And if that's true, if he's infinitely wise and he loves me, that's true. He loved me and gave himself for me. It's amazing. So he's infinitely wise and he loves me and I'm aging. 
There must be good in this. So I'm going to look for it. And I start to find advantages in aging. Um, I won't go into the details here. Maybe that's another seminar for another time, aging. Um, there are benefits, blessings in aging. Serious blessings. Um, that can get your heart tuned to the place where you do really do feel like, oh, this is good. This is, all things considered, it's good. There's a, there are downsides there. Okay, I don't want us to deny pain and suffering in this world. That's not what this is about. Um, Romans 8 said, um, we groan with all creation the pains of childbirth until now. How many of you moms have experienced childbirth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ow! Okay, you're not complaining. You're registering reality. If someone said, does that hurt? You wouldn't say, no, no. <laughs> yes! Help! That's what Vicky said when our firstborn was. Somebody help me! She's just registering what is. And we groan with all creation. You can do that without whining. You can do that without complaining, without being negative. Um, the Bible even says about the childbirth thing that after, after she gives birth, uh, the old King James says, um, she wouldn't exchange the experience because she's been given a man-child. I, I didn't quote that quite verbatim, but she want, the baby was worth it. If you said to her, um, we'll remove all the pain, but you can't have the baby. No, 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 no. I want the baby. I want the child. It's worth it. So, she, so there, there are ways to be thankful even for childbirth as much as it is suffering. Maybe I should say this, that God isn't wasting any of the groaning, suffering experiences of life. James, the brother of Jesus, said, count it all joy, brothers, when you encounter these many trials, knowing, do you? Knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be complete and entire, lacking nothing. It produces. Romans 5 says the same thing. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. These light momentary afflictions, and when you're giving birth to a baby, that doesn't seem light. Or momentary in some cases. A doula over here, what's some of your longest deliveries? Fifty hours. That does not seem momentary when you're pushing a watermelon out your navel. <laughs> and, and Paul is saying these light momentary afflictions, and he was referring to his own beatings, his own shipwreck, his own being snake-bitten, his being uh, incarcerated. All, he's saying that's light momentary affliction is, here's the key word, producing. Producing for you an eternal weight of glory, eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. That's how God gets to the eternal weight of glory for you through the conduit, the production of suffering. So we can be thankful for things that we don't start out feeling thankful. But if we rehearse the right truths and the right reality, we preach to ourselves, we can get to the place where our heart can catch up with reality.